Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Tom Wall. He is a juggler and variety entertainer. He is from St. Louis. He is known for his avant-garde performance style and is one of the last gentleman jugglers performing in the world today. Hi, Tom. Hey, Miss. How are it's you? Good to be here. Oh, it's great. <laughs> it's I love great it. great to talk to another human. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's talk about this. I mean, you know, generally these podcasts are, you know, I, I make them evergreen, but this COVID thing is so, it's just really rocked everybody's world. And the world is not going to look the same after anyway. So, you know, it, it, we're, we're all in this together and figuring it out. But you're in Philly right now. And yeah. Philly has got some rather interesting rules around all of this that I know we're not experiencing in St. Louis. So talk about that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been pretty remarkable. The uh, like, I mean, just the amount of social action that's been happening out here between COVID and also all of the Black uh, Lives Matter yes. protests that have been happening on Philly's really been a hotbed for that. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, we have this new rule where you have to be wearing a mask uh, no matter where you go, just leaving your house. Um, it's all public spaces uh, instead of just indoors, which is new. Uh, personally, I'm, you know, I'm all, I, I will help people with public health, you know, like what what is it? I just have to wear a mask, that's it, or I don't leave my home. Uh, I don't leave my house that often anyway, so. <laughs> yes, these <laughs> so it's days. it's not that big of a sacrifice, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I work mostly on uh, cruise ships these days. I, I toured with Cirque du Soleil for about five years, but I left I left last January. And from there, I went to uh, basically present my own hour-long show on cruise ships. Um, Which is ships. why I get to have you on the podcast. Because yeah, how many times right. I've tried, I wanted you on the podcast, and you're like, oh, I'm going to be on a cruise ship. I'm going to be on a cruise yeah, ship. I'm like, like, I may oh, never get Barbados. them on. I'm so sorry, Mitch. I can't. Uh, yeah, and I'm sad for Barbados to have to deal with you. No, I'm kidding. So, yeah, but this is so that's one of the reasons why I was I was like I bet you Tom's available. He's not yeah. doing cruise ships right now, so that has to be really different for you. Yeah, totally. And I, I mean, it's 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 just sort of changed the balance of of my workload a little bit. Because um, sort of a side project, I, I refer to it as my hobby, but it's it's more than that. Um, I run this small publishing company. It's a nonfiction press that's all about sort of like academic works about circus and variety arts. And when I'm on a cruise ship, you know, I've got my two hour long shows that I do on one night, but I'm on the ship for a lot longer than that. Right. So usually, you know, when I'm just stuck in my cabin drinking a cappuccino or whatever, uh, I work on editing projects. So since COVID, I basically transitioned from being, a, you know, a full time performer into a full time publisher. And uh I'd like to thank unemployment for helping me out with. <laughs> thank you, thank with, you, unemployment yeah, money. Yep, some get of it. the details surrounding that. But yeah, we've got this new book coming out um, in August. That I've been working on for about six years, uh, which is a how-to guide about juggling. It's basically updated with all modern techniques, all of these big name, you know, the the biggest juggling technique books that are out there. You know, go to any library and you can find like. Uh, the Complete Juggler by Dave Finnegan or Carlos Juggling Book or any number of these things, but they all use, uh, we would call it learning technique in the juggling community. You know, right. it's more about doing a thing than it is about, you know, learning the actual granular, how everything works and fits together. Um, like the old school method is kind of like, uh, you get a book about playing piano 
and it just says, okay, push these keys in this order. And then that's the song that you want. <laughs> Whereas if you actually, you know, want to learn to play piano, you're going to learn some music theory, you'll learn the relationships, you'll learn all of that. Got ya. So this book is sort of that approach towards juggling. It uses oh, this cool. mathematical notation system that's been in vogue, it transformed juggling like 20 years ago. Wait, say um, that but, again. Yeah. So there's, there's a mathematical notation system behind juggling. What? All right. Yeah. You got to so, tell me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's called site swap notation. So like changing places, site swap. Um, and it was, it was invented or discovered, whichever terminology you want to use in the late 80s, early 90s, by about four or five different juggler mathematicians at the same time. Like that's an argument for emergent intelligence, Ooh, right? Ooh, yeah. Totally crazy. Yeah. And so it, it has to do, so in music notes, you see a note and it tells you how long a particular sound is played, right? Um, so, you know, you've got your quarter note, full note, half note, all of that stuff in juggling a number represents the amount of time measured in beats. So it's kind of arbitrary, but the amount of time it takes for an object to return to a hand after leaving a hand. And so once you understand that foundation, you can start doing all of these really just totally bananas, uh, hitherto un, un, you know, totally counterintuitive tricks or patterns. Um, oh my gosh. Show you a picture. So like, That's this is a so four ball pattern called five, 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 one. And you can see it represented in a few different ways in this book. So one of the features of this is that it it's for people of all different learning modalities. Um, because most most juggling books that exist today, they teach you in just whatever, you know, whatever works for that teacher. However they learned must be the best way. Right. And that's that's just not true of the human condition, you know. So well, that really fast, that's so that, fascinating. Cause I would have just thought. You know, one day you pick up three of something. <laughs> yeah, you, sure, sure, sure. You, you know, and you try it, and then, then just as you, if if you have this interest and passion, you just keep moving forward with weirder yeah. objects and more objects, and you just keep practicing mm -hmm. it. I would have yeah, never that's... thought there was like this underlying mm -hmm. mathematical theory that you can bring to bring yeah, to juggling. Just... That's amazing. Yeah, it's totally crazy. Like, I mean, one of the first people that studied juggling in like an actual mathematical way was Claude Shannon, you know, the father of the information age. Um, he designed these juggling robots. There's a, there's a theorem in juggling called Shannon's theorem, which has to do with, you know, the amount of dwell time, you know, the amount of time it takes a ball to stay in your hand before you make the next throw. And it's this really elegant theorem. Oh my gosh. Um, that, that, that predates site swap just a little bit. Site swap is kind of like the the super stripped down, it's all just proportional. You don't have to have a stopwatch, you know, it's just geometry, how things relate to one another. Um, but I mean, the way that you describe learning, that's how I learned. I learned in the fourth grade from a foreign exchange student. I was, I was living in New Orleans. My family was in New Orleans at the time. And there happened to be this exchange student from Trinidad and Tobago. And he showed me how to juggle three rocks, you know, on the tennis court. And from there, I was pretty much hooked. You know, I, I got, you know, 10 catches and was like, check, I'm a juggler now. This is awesome. <laughs> then eventually I checked a book out of the library and I learned from Dave Finnegan's Complete Juggler. Um, yeah, then eventually when my family moved to St. Louis, when I was a sophomore in high school or just after freshman year, um, I met the St. Louis Juggling Club, which used to meet out in Olivet, um, just a couple of miles away from where, where my family ended up. So that's where I met my first jugglers and that's how I really got started. Um, but I'm definitely, I'm totally self-taught just the same way that you described. I'm so uh, fascinated that, with yeah. people that discover what they want to do with the rest of their life when they are so young. 
I mean, sure. I just, I, mean, <laughs> I find that really fascinating, you know, because so many of us, I mean, I was in college going, gee, I don't know, what the heck should I get my major in? I don't know what I want to do, right, you right, know? Right, right. And, and, and honestly, I felt for a very long time, like, I mean, I did marketing in all shapes and forms for a really long time, but it wasn't until social media hit the scene that I felt like I was like, oh my gosh, all my weird talents make sense all of a sudden. Thank goodness for social media. And I was you yeah, know, right. quite a bit older <laughs> when that showed up. So I think it's fascinating when I talk to someone who's like, I started this when I was in fourth grade and now it is my life. Right. You know? Yeah, I mean... My my relationship with I mean it's like any other any other relationship with a person with a with a thing with a practice with an artistic discipline you know like it was something that I really enjoyed when I first started out and then throughout my life you know when I was in undergrad or in grad school like whenever um, I found that juggling was something that I would always turn back to like either as a source of comfort or you know I there these there's a huge juggling community around the world you know, like the St Louis has a juggling festival that hundreds of people from all over the U.S. come to. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a, there's a huge community. So you get involved because of the art of the way it makes you feel or the fact that you just like throwing and catching stuff. And then you meet all of these other like beautiful weirdos and all of a sudden they're all your friends and this, you know, juggling just kind of turns into this central thing, whether or not it's, it is the main course or if it's, you know, the people surrounding that, that are what, what really um, excites you about staying a part of the community. Um, yeah, the community is really what kept me going. And when I graduated from WashU with a degree in uh, sort of like modern languages, Germanic language, languages and literatures, um, it was straight into the recession. Um, you know, the huge recession. I was class of 2009. Right. Yeah. And uh, and I had been offered Ooh, a job. tough time to graduate. Yeah, really. <laughs> tough time. Yeah, and so I found a job at a summer camp in Colorado where I could, you know, be a role model for kids, but also teach some juggling classes. And I was like, well, this is the only job offer I have on the table. So I guess I'm going to do that. Um, and then I ended up moving to Boulder and I street performed a little bit. I was working as a, as a youth counselor for this uh, up in Longmont, Colorado. It's this really interesting population that the YMCA there serves because half of the kids, you know, their parents are, you know, chip programmers for the IBM computer facility. And then the other half, their families have, parents who work in the, uh, the butterball turkey slaughterhouse. Oh gosh. You know, like you've got this, like, it's really weird, like class structures and stuff. Yeah. But all of the kids go to the same after school program. And so I was speaking Spanish to half the kids, helping them with just their basic English. And then the other kids, it's like, okay, we're, you're learning about the Pythagorean theorem in second grade. What is wrong with you? Like, oh holy gosh. Yeah. And then, yeah, from there, I basically uh, was offered a contract with a touring circus sideshow, like really gritty, like, you know, people sticking needles through their body and stuff kind of sideshow. Uh, that stuff freaks me out. I'm glad you're a juggler. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was that was really where I kind of, you know, proverbially cut my teeth. And uh, and yeah, that's, Wait, that's so where was I it one of those things where you were like on the. <laughs> Here's what I did when I have in yeah, my no, head. Yeah, no, let's hear it. Let's hear it. You may dispel all these myths. <laughs> I have in my head like everybody on the train, and then you get to some little town. No, we, you put up your we were tent. in a we were in a converted 1978 Arizona state prison bus that was painted blood red with a giant like skull demon <laughs> in front of it. Oh yeah, my it gosh, was, so it's like totally punk rock. Totally punk rock, yeah. And you know, you perform at all these like underground clubs and. Oh my, yeah, that it was, it was had to be a very interesting. Are these your Facebook friends? I bet your Facebook feed's super interesting. 
Yeah, yeah, it's all circus folks. It's all circus people. <laughs> yeah, oh I, was, I was with I was with that company for about three months, and uh, and yeah, and then you know, you, you know, you were saying like, oh, I, I never figured out what it was that I want to do, but for me, it's like I, I don't know that I figured out the end game necessarily. I I enjoy juggling. I enjoy showing these like weird tricks and some of my research and that kind of thing with people, and I I find it fulfilling for now. Um, but I, I don't necessarily see this as the only thing that I'm going to end up doing with my life. Um, right. You know, I, I work a lot in academics, so, you know, I've got some books, some research projects that I've been doing. Um, this isn't officially announced yet, but I just found out that I've been accepted by the MLA, the Modern Languages Association, to be one of their field bibliographers for a new circus project that they're doing. So um, you're so kind of marrying your reading. degree yeah. now with the juggling. That's right, yeah. Because right, yeah, I was so going to say, I was going to say, what were you going to do with that degree? Well, with the undergrad just... degree, uh, that's that's a long story. Like, I've, I've always inter been interested in languages and uh, communication, but more in, like, the philological sense than in the, you know, like, this is a newspaper and this is how newspapers work. Kind of gotcha. No, no disrespect whatsoever, but that's just sort of, like, the academic right. paradigm that I, I like to work in. Um, but languages are, a, are so interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, to me, I mean, so I, the only other language I really know, no, uh, mm -hmm. and I don't even know if I can say that right now. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put me in the um, fluent category anymore. But sure. at one point I was, was Spanish. Sure. And I was fascinated with how you could have different emotions mm -hmm. that went along with that language that I couldn't really put into words for in English. Right. And, right, right, and there right. were words in Spanish. It was like, okay, for me to, to actually describe what this word is, it would mm -hmm. take me a paragraph right, in right. English. And I was fascinated with that. I just thought that was just incredible. Mm -hmm. So yeah, very it's, cool. It's amazing. Yeah, it all ties to the idea of uh, whatever, Sapir Wharf and lingua culture. And <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's that. so yeah. interesting. So, um, all right. So I want to talk a little bit about... You know, when, first of all, everyone out there, the, I met Tom through TEDx Gateway Arch. You were mm -hmm. one of our entertainers plus speakers at one of our events. And I, it was, I was backstage at the time, so I didn't get to really see. I just, the, I got to watch the audience, though, and the reactions were amazing. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait till this video comes out so I myself <laughs> can actually see it. Um, and so for everybody out there, just know if you uh, look up Tom Wall, TEDx, Gateway Arch, you could put TEDx Gateway Arch there, but I think you just put TEDx and, and you'll find him, the YouTube video of his talk on our stage, which was fascinating. And one of the things that um, you said in your talk, and it just, it was one of those things that has stuck with me because I thought, I always find these sorts of things interesting when you said, so, you know, name your favorite juggler. And, and people don't have a favorite juggler because most yeah, people right? don't know the names of jugglers. And I was like, that's interesting. I mean, juggling's been around forever. Why yeah. isn't there, you know, why don't we like, it's just interesting to me that, that we don't have these names on the top of our head. But I kind of think that's a lot with the circus performers. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you see that with, uh, with companies like Cirque du Soleil, you yeah. know, like you, you go as an audience member to go see Cirque du Soleil. Right. Like in you the don't, circus there's world, not like individuals. Like, 
Exactly. Yeah. And in the circus world, a lot of times it'd be like, oh my gosh, you know, there's this amazing hand balancer that I want to see. And last I heard he was working on Corteo. I don't know if he's a backup act. I don't know if he's like the, like he's in every single day. How can I schedule it so that I can go see it? But, you know, for other people, it's just, I want to go see a spectacle and it's yeah. the spectacle that's seen. It's the, the forest instead of the individual trees. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like one of my best friends is, uh, he's a clown, this guy named Misha Usov, uh, this Ukrainian clown, lovely, just wonderful human. And he always refers to himself as the invisible clown. Because, you know, what he's performing on, on in the show is all his own work. It's this material that he's been doing for almost, you know, like 40 years or something. And he goes in and people see it as a product that was developed by Soleil instead of his own Interesting, his own work. interesting. Yeah, I mean, Soleil is going through a lot of, problems right now i'm sure you've you've read about you know all of my friends have gotten laid off they just yeah. officially fired like before it was a kind of a furlough um but now they've officially been axed something like 3500 or 4000 people oh, um, wow that many really yeah it's almost the entire company um but one of the things that uh and i, I swear i'm not getting political this is this is all stuff that you know, if you just Google it, you can find it. But there was an interview with, uh, I think it was Daniel Lamar, the senior vice president of the whole company. Um, I could be getting some of the positions wrong or something, but I'm pretty sure it was Daniel. Um, he said in an interview about a year ago that one of the strengths of Cirque du Soleil as a company, and you can extrapolate this to any kind of like dance group, any kind of ensemble thing. Right. One of their strengths was that it is the company's name and not any performer's name that is the reason why people go. Right. Which, from their perspective, makes it easier for casting. You know, like if you want to go oh, see a Broadway right. play or something, and you're like, "Oh, well, my favorite, you know, the person, the that person is the, that started this role that was like, so great, I want to see exactly, them in yeah. it." Yeah, I don't yeah. want to see an understudy. I don't see. I want to want to see the fourth generation. I want to see the person that like actually did it. And yes. made this thing. Um, and you see that in circus too. You know, like when when a show is opened. I'm not talking circus as as a whole. I'm talking mostly about large scale production companies like Soleil here, where like once the show has been created, then that is basically canonized. And so if somebody has to quit, you know, somebody quits or doesn't renew their contract or or whatever it ends up being, the person that replaces them on that track, they're doing like verbatim, you know, throw for throw, catch for catch, move for move, exactly what that other person did. So you're basically a cover band at that point. That is so um, interesting. And, the, and they're wildly, I mean, wildly talented human beings. Yeah, there are a lot of circus performers out there, you know, a lot of people training, a lot of people doing their own little shows. And uh, I, I get the feeling that the average American, this is something that I talked about a little bit in my graduate thesis too. Um, I went to grad school for nonprofit arts administration. Um, it just has to do with like signaling. You know, when people think circus, like they think of Cirque du Soleil or Ringling. Those are really the only two things. And even when you say circus about Cirque du Soleil, some people are like, well, that's more of a theater company. It's not circus. And yeah. so that opens up the question of like, well, what is circus in the first place? You got people doing backflips and you got some jugglers. That's not circus. Is got, circus, yeah. a, you know, about the sawdust and the animals and, a, and like a, a tent and just, you know, jumping cities every three days? Is that right. circus? Is that what right. you mean? Or is the fact that there's such production value, the fact that they're branded better. It's like, what, you know, what, 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 what is, is the average public's That's interesting. opinion? Yeah. And, and within the circus community, like within the juggling community, there are all these conversations about like, well, what is juggling? 
You know, if you if you roll a, bo- a ball all over your body and it's totally balanced, you know, there are some purists who are like, well, it's not throwing and catching and it's not more objects under our hands. So Such controversy going on with the circus yeah, people. Well, but if, I know, feel like it's kind of like you guys are, are in a weird space of like, of... Uh, I don't know like a like like it's that whole, it's like almost it's very philosophical like who are we sure you yeah, know exactly exactly what, yeah what do, what do we mean to the world yeah, you know I, I it's interesting when it comes to circus specifically um you know it's such a personal practice it really had like there's no lying in circus like you're either standing on your hands or you're not right you're right you're doing it or you're falling over right you're juggling or they're on the floor um so it's such a personal thing. It requires so much alone time. And there's there's a lot of pain and suffering, like either physical or emotional or whatever. So that, you know, you end up synthesizing, whether you understand it explicitly or not, your own perception of what circus is. And that's, you know, that's right there to the core of your being. It's something that you're training like hours every single day for years. Right. And so when somebody has a definition that doesn't, you know, that excludes you, you get a little bit upset. So like, of course, there's going to be an argument when you've got all these heated people right? <laughs> spending all their time alone. You know, I, doing back so this is so open my eyes to just, it's, it's very interesting. And yeah, sure. I mean, and, and just what you've done with it is so interesting. I mean, you've, you've uh, gone into a lot of places. Would you mind holding up your books and who does yeah, sure. the artwork on your books? Uh, so the artwork for both I of these, the also artwork. most of my personal branding, I think I have, so this is the antiquity book. This is 4,000 years of juggling history, basically. And then this is the juggling what it is and how to do it. This is coming out in August. Um, I love almost, the aesthetics. Almost, almost I think finished. it's awesome yeah. looking. Yeah. So this is, this is all done by my buddy, Sam Washburn. Yeah. He also did my, my poster. Um, I use this for wine shows. I think we used this for the TEDx. Good job, well. Sam. We like yeah, it. So, yeah. So he he graduated from the art school at Wash U. Um, I sat next to him. I took a couple of illustration classes, and uh, yeah, we're just super good friends. And he's gone off and is this absolutely phenomenal illustrator. He's in all of the lists, you know, top forty under forty American illustrators. Wow. France. He lives in Oklahoma. He's just a, a wonderful human. So if you ever need, if you ever need artwork done i can I that's can do that's no, the guy love no it. higher recommendation than sam washburn yeah he's great washburnillustration.com i think <laughs> very cool all right yeah. sam you're gonna get some calls soon <laughs> let's do it <laughs> so i have questions can we do question time yeah 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 i, got I have some some them. fun questions for you so i you know i've seen jugglers do some crazy stuff like you know with juggling I, chainsaws and stuff like that. Oh, like, yeah. have you ever juggled anything really crazy? Uh, well, if we're saying crazy as in dangerous, <laughs> Wait, yeah, sure. Let's, we, well, we can okay, take so, it however you want it. <laughs> yeah, and, and all of juggling, all of circus, it's it's mostly about calculated risks, right? You know, it looks insane. You know, seeing somebody just, you know, if you're walking down the street and you saw somebody with three chainsaws and they were throwing <laughs> them around. I would question. You would cross to the other side of right? things, yeah. But yeah, yeah, right. Let's not get too close. <laughs> um, yeah, but if, you know, once you, because juggling is really about cultivating a relationship with an inanimate object at its core. Like, that's really what it is. It's a relationship between a human and an object. And when you practice, you start, you start to understand, you know, like how it moves in space. You can start to predict it. You don't even think about it anymore. You know, it's, it's, it's baked in. 
So like if you throw a juggling club, throw a knife or a torch or something, it's it's hard to accidentally catch the wrong end unless something really bad happens. And okay. If something really bad happens, you will know. It's like, oh, well, something's about to collide. So I'm just going to get out from under all this stuff that's about to fall down. <laughs> and, and, may, and, and like not get too close to the audience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I've I've definitely done some stupid stuff before where I was pushing it. Like, uh, I was really, I was I, I'd been talking to the Guinness World Record Organization. I was talking to Guinness Records about uh, the possibility of a new category of most knives juggled. Um, so I, I was practicing six knives, and you know, like these are these are big, like 22, 24 inch things. Oh my gosh. Um, and yeah, so I got six knives on video and, you know, I definitely cut up my hands quite a bit because you got to throw like a triple spin instead of a double. And it's like, yeah, this is a little, a little harder and, you know, they're, they're weighted differently. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I've done stuff like that. Um, that seems kind of scary. Uh, there's a trick that I, I did in the TEDx thing where I, I hold a, a dagger in my teeth and I, yes. I balance a saber point to point on the dagger in my teeth. And uh, when I was going to more circus competitions and, you know, sort of like more pure circus environments where you really have to kind of push it a little bit. Yep. Um, I, I decided just on a lark that I was going to balance that and then I was going to slide down into the splits. And, uh, and it's, it's a beautiful trick. It's super, super cool. But the second that, you know, like there I was, I balanced it and here I am in the splits. I've got this sword up there. It's like geometry suddenly appeared to me. I suddenly understood that I had, you know, like a 10 pound military saber point down three feet over my crotch and, yeah. and a precarious. So, yeah. So I got out of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed you can do the splits. Yeah. That's all yeah, right. it's, it's all it's all calculated stuff. Right. You know. Oh, you my gosh. Yeah. yeah. yeah but Maybe it's a, a, it's a, a fine a, line. No kidding. <laughs> Yeah, I often tell people, you know, it's like, okay, okay, I might be an idiot, but I'm not stupid. Okay? <laughs> and, and I did that. We won't be doing that again. So hope you yeah, got a exactly. video of it. <laughs> yeah, we got the video. We got the tape. <laughs> so you've been Check. on tons and tons of cruise ships. Yeah. Is there yeah. is there anything like the average person that goes on a cruise ship would never know mm. that you find really interesting about cruise ships? Oh, gosh. Um well, there, there are a lot of things that people don't know about the cruise industry. Um, some of it is is interesting. Some of it is, I mean, like any other industry, you know, you don't want to know how the sausage is made, so to speak. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Um, but yeah, no, whenever I'm on a ship, people always ask me a couple of different questions. You know, like one thing that people think is that I am doing the show in exchange to go on a free cruise. Uh, yeah. And that's very much not the case. <laughs> yeah. I mean, living yeah, I on mean, a cruise ship sounds awesome, I, but I think that there it has its limitations of awesomeness. Totally, yeah. And I mean, there, there are different types of uh, entertainment contracts on ships as well. So, you know, you go on a ship, you go on a, your carnival cruise or, you know, your Royal Caribbean, your celebrity, whatever it is. Um, and you'll see, you know, in, in the little newspaper that they hand out every day, like, oh, there's uh, there's this musical dance review that's happening tonight. Like there, there is a cast that lives on the ship. Right. Like there, there's a there's an orchestra. There's a full cast that does uh, theatrical plays. They're dancers. They do all this stuff. And they end up doing three to six shows every single week. 
and their contract lasts for months. Uh, usually those contracts are between three to 10 months long. Wow. And you're living on the ship crew status. So, you know, you have to do all of the safety boat drills, all of that stuff. So you're a member of the crew technically, and you live below decks in a crew cabin. Um, yeah. So I mean, in, you in guys don't have rooms with a view and. Yeah, that's right. And so, so I, I have done contracts like that in the past. Um, but now what I, what I do, it's called a fly on guest entertainer. And so it has the word guest in there, right? So it's like I'm guest status. So I'm the same as anybody else that's on the ship. Okay. Except for my itinerary is quite different. So when you're a guest entertainer, say there's a, you know, you, like, Mish, you just you just decided, like, holy cow, I'm going on my dream vacation. I'm going on this 14-day Caribbean cruise. Life is going to be beautiful. There are going to be shows. There's going to be all this stuff. And, you know, one night you're going to go see a comedian. And the next night there's, like, a there's a Spanish guitar player in the main theater, and it's just amazing. And then, oh, my God, there's a juggler. Holy cow, you get to see your buddy Tom. Here we are. We're all hanging out again <laughs> on a ship. Life is great. <laughs> all of us are sharing the same cabin, except for – we're in the cabin at different times. So like on along the course of your 14 day itinerary, say you're going to Cozumel, you're going to Montego Bay, Jamaica, you're, you're stopping in, you know, somewhere like in the Dutch Antilles or something. One of those stops, there is like your stand-up comedian will have flown to that port from his home in like Las Vegas or whatever. He gets on the ship. He either does a show that night or the next night, the next port where the, you know, the ship comes in, say Cozumel, that performer is going back home. He go. He gets off the ship, goes to the airport, flies home, and I get on and I'm in his cabin after it Interesting. gets cleaned up. Interesting. Oh my yeah, gosh, so, that so sounds like so on a 14 like, day um, cruise, you could only be on the, the boat thing for to coordinate. hours. Like you're yes. per- the person that coordinates that. Let's just give them a wow. Yeah, it's it's, it's totally <laughs> nuts. You know, it's a giant machine. Uh, yeah, the whole, the whole thing. So. I've been on ships before where it has taken me round trip, you know, between the flying and the Ubering and the, you know, staying overnight, waiting for the ship, that kind of thing where I've, I've been traveling for like 48 or hours or three days or something. And I'm only on the ship for two days total, like a night and a half. Oh my gosh. Um, So I often tell people that, you know, when you work as a guest entertainer, the pay is really to compensate for the travel. And then the yeah, show is yeah. just going to be fun and a nice release. And there you are and you do a good job and you, you know, you got to go. You somewhere. make a lot of people happy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah gotcha. Yeah. But, you know, even if you have a if there's a port in between your comings and goings, you might have a, you know, that might be when your rehearsal is. So you just don't leave the boat, even though you're in these beautiful tropical places. So it, wow. it, it just I had no the idea. Ship happens to be my office and my office happens to be a pleasure boat. But so thank, a lot of thank you for bringing involved. light to that because I had never heard of that before. Yeah, sure. That's awesome. That's either super boring or super interesting. No, it, to me it's interesting. <laughs> that's that's why I was like, I was like, really? All right. So then I have another yeah. question about, are there any, um, I was really in, in my head, like I'm a total movie. I watch, I watch too much movies and TV. I, I subscribe to sure. everything that you can imagine. But um but it's just my joy. And um, I was like, have I ever seen a movie or have I ever watched a show that's had a juggler in it? And oh, I, definitely. I, I could not come up with any. So I thought Tom probably knows. Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen a movie with Tom Hanks or Steve Martin in them? Well, yeah. Those people both got their start as jugglers. Did they really? Or, but did they yeah. juggle in the movie? 
Steve Martin and the Jerk. He does. There's a there's a vignette where he juggles cats. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, and I mean, you know, it's it's some fancy camera work. You know, when you actually watch, it's like okay, those I'm are just, sure those that are there's cats. not real yeah. kitty cats being tossed yeah, exactly. about there. <laughs> Um, but like W.C. Fields, uh, he got his start as a juggler. You watch The Great McGonagall or uh, any of those movies. Um, it's funny, in the juggling community, everybody knows W.C. Fields as a juggler. Really? A lot of people don't realize that he was like I a had no idea. actor, right? Yeah, it's can't explain that. <laughs> Everybody's no. myopic in their own way, right? We well, just see jugglers. <laughs> I think there's an opportunity here. Probably, I think yeah. you need, because, I mean... I don't know. Some of the stuff I see on Netflix, I think that they take just about any anything sent yeah, to them. So you might as yeah. well just send them a thing about, here is an interesting show about a juggler. Yeah. I will tell yeah. you, th- I want to thank you so much. I, uh, I am so happy we got to do this together today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for It was inviting. so much fun to catch up with you. And, and I want everybody to make sure that they do check out your TEDx talk. But where can we find you? Uh, yeah, I'm easy to find online. My name is Tom with an H T H O M. Tom Wall, Wall like a wall, Pink Floyd the Wall, whatever. Uh, you know, I'm on Instagram, YouTube, Netflix. Not Netflix, not Netflix yet. That's you. You planted See, that in my brain. Uh, I'm I'll on, work on the <laughs> script with you. We'll come up with something. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, you know, Facebook everywhere. Uh, all of the 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 book publishing company is called Modern Vaudeville Press. We call it MVP. That's on Facebook. There's a website. Um, if you want to learn more about this how-to juggle book that, that's finally coming out in August, uh, you just go to jugglingbook.com. That's got all the information. Good uh, URL pre-sales there, will be dude. Live on, yeah, pre-sales will be live on Amazon soon. Yeah, uh, juggle. It's fun. I love it. <laughs> Those are my wise words for the end. <laughs> I love it. And, and again, thank you so much. And thank you for being a part of TEDx. We love you know, our TEDx family. So thank you for that. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for welcoming me. Enjoy (laughs) Philly. Stay safe out there. Yeah, right back at you. You too. All right. And everyone out there, you've been listening to Mishmash Podcast. You can check us out on, oh my gosh, just just go ahead and Google it. It's all kinds of places. Now I can't even catch up with my own podcast. All right. I love you all. Have a good one. Bye, everybody.